Welcome to Parenting Matters on Nashville Catholic Radio, WBOU 100.5 FM, sponsored by the Family Life Office of the Diocese of Nashville. Your host for the program is Dr. Parr Donahue. Dr. Parr has years of experience in pediatrics and parenting. He was named the Senior Pediatrician of the Year by the Tennessee Chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics in 2014. Dr. Parr is the author of four books, including books on parenting entitled Messengers in Denim, The Amazing Things Parents Can Learn from Teens, and Tools for Effective Parenting. Visit Dr. Parr's blog at www.parentingwithdrparr.com. Here's your host, Dr. Parr Donahue. Welcome to Parenting Matters on Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM, and streaming throughout the world at nashvillecr.com. Our subject today is how one Nashville Catholic school thrived the pandemic. Our guest is Sherry Woodman, principal of Christ the King School in Nashville. I'll introduce her in a moment, but first my monologue. This has been a difficult year for many of our citizens. It has been incredibly difficult for our schools, administrators, teachers, staff, students, and parents who have all made sacrifices to keep education foremost in their minds. Some schools shut down completely. Some went entirely to virtual classes and others gave parents a choice of in-person or online classes. Results from the household pulse survey in May of 2020, when most schools were closed, tell us that 80% of the children were using online resources, while 20% were using paper materials sent by the schools. The survey also showed that children from high-income households were using online resources at a higher rate than those in lower-income households. For example, households with incomes over $100,000, 85.8% of the children reported using online resources for distance learning, whereas children of households with lower income, less than 50000 only 65.8% were able to use online resources. But regardless of how schools reacted to the, cons- the consensus today is that kids did not learn as much this past year as they should have. Or have I spoken too soon? Unless I'm wrong here, too, our Catholic diocesan schools adapted their classrooms and kept on teaching. Today, I have the honor of having as my guest, Sherry Woodman, principal of Christ King School in Nashville. She was born and raised in Nashville, went to St. Edward's and then St. Bernard's Academy for high school. She doubled majors in elementary education and special education at George Peabody College for teachers at Vanderbilt University. She received her MBA from Tennessee State University and has been principal of Christ King for the past nine years. Before that, she taught at the non-graded academy and taught second grade and seventh grade math at Christ King. She and her husband, Dr. Jay Woodman, a licensed psychologist with a private practice in Nashville, have one son, Dr. John A. Woodman, and a daughter-in-law, Kiara Woodman. They will celebrate their 40th anniversary this August. They worship at Christ the King Parish since 1987. Welcome, Sherry, to Parenting Matters. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you on our show. I'm pleased to be here, and thank you for that introduction. Well, congratulations, too for leading your school successfully through the pandemic. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been a year like no other, but I've learned a lot, and we all have. We learned by necessity, and after last spring's online learning, one of my teachers said, this has been the best professional development I've ever had. So there was a lot of teamwork involved. Well, good. It takes a team, doesn't it? It does. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your school. How many grades do you have? What is the enrollment? How many students per class? And that kind of stuff. Sure. 
we have uh, 10 grades. So we have four-year-old pre-K through eighth grade, one class per grade. We follow the state guidelines for class size. So we uh, typically have 20 pre-Ks. Uh, we cap our lower grade classes at 25 and our middle school classes, we cap them at 30. We cap have them at what? 30. 30, okay. Uh, they're not all, you know, at 30, but that would be our cap. And, um, you know, we, we have all certified teachers certified in the areas that they teach. We welcome all faiths. Uh, our parishioners of Christ the King have priority in admission, but we welcome all faiths. Uh, we have lots of extracurricular activities for our students. They can do cross country, basketball, volleyball, soccer, uh, scouting, forensics, drama, yoga, music lessons after school. We have lots of opportunities for them. I guess you do. Do you charge tuition? Yes, we do charge tuition. Our parishioners uh, pay a subsidized rate of $7,405. Uh, Non-Catholic tuition is $10,250, and our pre-K tuition is $8,540. And do you have any any like fellowships or scholarships or things for uh, under low-income students? Sure, we do have financial aid for our parishioners uh, that's made possible through our parish. Uh, and we also have some individual named scholarships that uh, students may be awarded um, through a sponsor uh, based on certain criteria. Wonderful, and what's your uh, position on guidance counselors? Do you have them or do you use the diocese or what? We do, this past year we had a Catholic Charities Counselor, but we do have a full-time counselor starting uh, in August, so we're very excited to have her on staff. Good, good. Well, then what would you say is the reason the kids should go to your school? What does your school offer and others do not? That's a wonderful question. You know, we're not just a good school that happens to be Catholic. We are a Catholic school that immerses uh, children in the faith with prayer and service and uh, an example. Um, we like to say we're the neighborhood Catholic school that's preparing students uh, for the world. Uh, we uh, have a, a structured traditional curriculum that is implemented with lots of innovative learning activities because we're trying to help kids not just learn the basics. We want them to use the basics. We want them to be critical thinkers. And uh, we're helping them learn to be the best versions of themselves. That's so good. Catholics schools have had a very good reputation in this country for many, many years, and I don't think that has changed, and I hope it never does. So let's go on to what happened during the pandemic. What kind of physical changes did you make in your classrooms prior to the opening of the school in August or last sure. March? Sure. You know, the main physical change we did uh, when we found out that um, the virus was airborne, uh, we had an installation of these bipolar ionization devices on each of our HVAC units that would sanitize the air as it circulated. Um, that made a huge difference. That's probably the biggest uh, single change that was effective, but we also did all the recommended uh, things by the CDC. We, we changed the arrangement of desks to spread them out and and uh, achieve social distancing. We, provide, we purchased three-sided barriers for the desks. Uh, we kept the students in class cohorts um, so that the teachers change classrooms rather than the students changing classrooms as much as we were able to uh, achieve that. Band class was in the gym where they could spread out. 
PE class was always outside. You know, lunch, um, half the students would have lunch either in their classroom or outside so that we had half as many students in the cafeteria at one time. Um, we just learned to um, be creative and use our space differently. Did you make any changes in your curriculum? You know, our curriculum stayed the same. We followed the diocesan curriculum, uh, which is a rigorous curriculum. And our teachers were able to complete that curriculum by the end of the year, just like we always do. The students took their standardized tests at the end of the year and they performed well, comparable to other years. Um, probably more than the curriculum, we adjusted the schedule. So like they would have mass breaks outside in the morning. Um, but time-wise, that was balanced out by not having students take the time to change rooms between classes or not have an assembly. So the net effect on class time was fairly neutral. How did your teachers respond to this changes? You know, our teachers, uh, they're definitely team players. Um, last summer, I had a committee of teachers and staff to kind of help take the recommendations of the Catholic Schools Office and the CDC and the Health Department and devise a plan on how those recommendations would look in our school. And then we sent that written plan to all the staff and all the parents last summer. And, you know, at the beginning, people were a little edgy, a little afraid of how things would go. But, you know, this is a courageous bunch and everybody really pitched in to help. You know, we need extra hands to do some of the things. So I had my advancement director doing lunch duty all year and the development director did recess duty. And, um, you know, it was probably hardest on the teachers that were all day in the room with a mask on with the, with the kids. Um, so, you know, nobody liked that and we wished it would go away, but everyone was committed to doing whatever needed to be done for the children. Um, last August, we had some professional development for our teachers on ACEs in education, and ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. So they learned how to support the children, uh, how to recognize signs of trauma, how toxic, st toxic stress can affect the brain and behavior, and the presenter taught us um, like how to create trauma-informed classrooms with safety, connection, and coping. Those are the three pillars. And she taught how to create calm spaces in the classroom and about self-care for teachers. And the feedback from the teachers about that was that it was really beneficial. But overall, I would say that for the faculty and staff, uh, keeping a sense of humor about the situation is what kept us sane. And, you know, that the teachers would tell me things like, I'll do anything to keep from teaching online like we did last spring. That doesn't work, does it? <laughs> they were troopers. And my, my son-in-law is a professor at uh, University of Dayton in Ohio. He says that that online teaching is just awful. He says, hey, I'm sitting at home on my study talking to myself, and I'm really getting boring. <laughs> my, my son said the same thing. Yeah. Did you uh, lose any teachers or staff because of it? I mean, did anybody say I'm not going to work under those circumstances? Um, we had, I think everybody wanted to, but we did have two staff members that were not able to be on campus for health reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, they stayed in touch to mentor, mentor the individuals that took their places. And I was so grateful for that, but we did really miss them. Mm -hmm. I bet. Did you lose any families, any parents uh, take your kids out? Just a couple, um, you know, not because of the changes we made, but uh, just because of the pandemic and, and it's um, the effects of the pandemic itself. 
we lost a couple families. One of those families is coming back next year, and and the other one is hoping to be able to return in the future when they can make it work. Yeah, good, good. Uh, and that students responded pretty well. Are they maintained their sense of humor? They did. You know, they were well prepared. There was a lot of communication as the school year began. The teachers taught the protocols, and the parents supported the protocols at home. We really had good compliance. You know, after a few weeks, mask wearing became routine. Um, I would say social distancing was difficult for kids because they would just get involved and forget themselves. But, you know, they'd respond quickly to reminders. Um, we had some students that were more vulnerable than others, some that had more concerns. You know, overall, over the last number of years, anxiety among school-age children has been rising. So we didn't really see an exponential increase, but there were those that struggled because of the pandemic and just uh, the social issues overall. Um, but I would say in general, our kids did very well and resilient. They were glad to be learning in person with their friends. I would say, you know, the children learn from the adults in their lives, what we model and the cues that we give them. And I would say, you know, keeping that, the children mentally and emotionally healthy means giving them positive messages about what's safe and what's good and avoiding mixed messages like they might get from media. We had a school-wide theme this year that was fortitude, and we kind of explored the meaning of that, the secular meaning of it, meaning courage, but also the sort of the meaning as a cardinal virtue and as a gift of the Holy Spirit that we serve a higher purpose and by overcoming our fear to do, to do what is right and just. And um, that theme lent itself well to what we did this year. And I think the other thing that helped kids was is just knowing that history doesn't begin with us. So early in the year, we had a former principal, uh, Alice Valaket, who is an octogenarian, and she recorded a video for the kids telling them what it was like for her as a child during the polio epidemic in the 1940s and the things they had to give up doing. And she gave them a really hopeful message about how we would get through this and, and that everything would be okay again. Well, that's good. That's good. I remember those days well. But, you know, anxiety is this big thing. It's everywhere, mm -hmm. not just with the, um, with the social distancing and the masks and all, but in life. And uh, we always, most of us think of anxiety as being a bad thing, but like any other emotion, it can be good or bad. And I was thinking about if you have chest pain and without anxiety, you say, oh, I don't worry about that. It's just chest pain. That can cause you death if it's an ensuing heart attack. On the other hand, if you have this terrible anxiety about spiders and you never go outside because you might catch a spider, uh, you're going to miss a lot of God's beautiful creation. So what is enough anxiety enough? Well, Stephen George Bull has a former professional soccer player in England. He's retired now, but in 1999, he was one of the uh, top scorers in all of, his, all of England and all European soccer. And he uh, had some very definite thoughts on anxiety and nervousness. He said, nerves and butterflies are fine. They're a physical sign that you're mentally ready and eager, but you have to get your butterflies to fly in formation. That's the trick. And I think that's the trick. So Sherry, how did you keep your butterflies in formation? I love that analogy. I would say my personal butterflies, um, you know, when you know you're responsible for other people, you focus more on what they need and, and how to make their experience better than rather than what your own needs are. And 
I would just remind myself, stick to the plan, stay calm and positive, keep putting one foot in front of the other. You know, I leaned on my family and friends when I needed to, and I had lots of support from colleagues and school parents in the Catholic Schools office. I'm generally an optimistic person, and just every Friday I told myself, you made it through this week, and you can do another week. One one week at a time. That's right. right. (laughs) And your teachers, did they stay pretty up to it? How did you keep them motivated? Because it can be a difficult thing. They really, my teachers are rock stars. My vice principal, who's also the the technology director, is a rock star. And my, my office and maintenance staff, they're awesome. They all supported each other. Whoever needed a boost on a given day, you know, somebody was there to give it. The teachers would try new strategies and teaching tools, teaching tools to, to keep the kids engaged, and then they teach it to each other. You know, you really learn what you're made of when there's a crisis. And, you know, the parents couldn't come into the school to volunteer this year, so they supported the teachers in other ways. They suggested Amazon wish lists for the teachers, and then they bought them things for the classroom. And um, each uh, the parents of each class took a week to provide snacks and beverages for the faculty room and called it Happies for Heroes. And, you know, the teachers just really appreciated gestures like that, and it helped them get through the year. It helps them to get through the year, even if it's not a pandemic. Yes. <laughs> what about your students? Did you have more use of counselors during that time? Or? We did. Well, we had a Catholic Charities counselor one day per week. Uh, she was very helpful in seeing the individual students and following up with parents. And one thing she did um, in January, she conducted a parent education webinar uh, with me titled Address the Stress to help their parents uh, in how to support their students at home. And we did it on Zoom at lunchtime, and it was very well attended. And um, I think things like that, being able to offer those kind of supports really helped the students. After you get through this, it's kind of fun to look back and say, Oh, we did this. We did this. And uh, so many of the schools did not. So you uh, are to be congratulated on that. Now, how are things going to be next year? I know that you are not um, going to be principal next year, but you're going to still be there, right? I will still be there. You know, I think, you know, what what is normal? Normal is, you know, thinking about what kids at different developmental levels need. They need socialization. They need structure and routine. They need responsive adults who listen to them and their worries and and they need hope and so we're going to provide those things for the students just like we did this past year and all the years before that i think the classroom physical arrangements and class routines will get back to the way they were prior to the pandemic you know so that the classes like music and art and can get back in their own classrooms and the library can be open for everybody um, we anticipate the return of extracurricular activities like the school sports after school and, you know, traditional things like Grandparents' Day and field trips. Yeah, there were some things we did differently this past year that actually were a success, and we thought they were an improvement, like how we uh, changed our dismissal procedures. So we're thinking about keeping some of those things uh, that worked better. So we hope we can do it all without any COVID protocols next year. We hope the trend we're seeing now uh, just continues but, you know, at the end of this month, there's going to be a, a meeting with the Catholic Schools Office and the other parochial school principals to kind of make that final decision. But um, however it looks, we're committed to making sure Christ the King students have the best educational experience possible next year. It's sort of like uh, if, it does, if stress doesn't kill you, it makes you better. That's right. That's I, right. I think that it's from what you tell us that the school will be better after 
because of the epidemic or the pandemic. I think we're, I think we're stronger for it. You know, I, I think that the kids definitely learned, and one of the lessons that they learned is about overcoming adversity. And when children can look at something that they did that was difficult and say to themselves, "I got through this," uh, it increases the likelihood that they can deal with the next challenge that comes their way. And that's how you build confidence and resilience. And it's true for the children. It's true for the teachers. It's true for all of us. This, yes, it is. It's very good. It's very good. Well, um, we're just about out of time. Anything else you want to say before we start to round this up? Uh, just how much I appreciate the opportunity to share with you um, our successes of the year and how we're looking forward to next year. Well, is there anything you might have done differently if you were thinking back that I should have done this? You know, each step of the way, uh, thinking about what we knew at the time, I think we did the very best possible. We did a lot of parent communication, and um, and I think that was really good. You know, there was one day when it, we had a couple of different classes um, that both had to be quarantined at home and go virtual, and um, I started thinking about the siblings, and, and I shut down the whole school, and I don't know if I would do that again. But it was just one day. So overall, I think um, I think staying, staying open all but one day was a real success. And even that day, we were open. We were just virtual. Pretty remarkable. Yeah. Pretty remarkable. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you. My listeners and I really appreciate it. A big, a big thank you, too, to our listeners. Without you, we wouldn't exist. Before I sign off, one quick story. This is from an 11-year-old boy from Spring, Silver Spring, Maryland. It was written as a school assignment for how the pandemic was affecting him. He says, with the schools being closed due to the virus, it has gotten very boring. Even on days where I go outside, barely anyone talks or looks at one another. It's as if everything and everyone is a ghost. I miss school and having other people to work with besides my mom and sister. I by no stretch of the imagination like school, but sitting at home and doing work is not particularly pleasant. Being in a house with people that can drive you insane at times can be less than ideal. If you get to know someone for long enough and see them for long enough, they can get your goals. I had kind of a chuckle at that. But, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately, it gets, I guess it's kind of true, isn't it, in some circumstances. But you have to have a goat to have someone get it, I guess. For example, he says, I wanted to voice type some questions about a book I was reading. As a kid, 11-year-old reading books, I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, I wanted to voice type some questions about a book I was reading. And my mom and dad both thought the idea was dumb and shot it down. They said I should be more formal in my writing. Had this been Friday afternoon, it would have been fine. But it was Monday, and I had just spent loads of time with my parents. I got furious. So right now, all I want to do is to go back to school or at least get to interact with people without them treating me like a ghost. And, you know, I, I know how that feeling, because our dog was on some medicine, and it really it did something to her mentality, to her, her brain. And she was like, she, she was like hollow, and she would look at us like, who are you? And she was just like, she was afraid of us. It was scary. It was like she was a ghost. And I think I can sort of relate to Elliot. Well, thank you, Elliot, for this. It's easy to see that this, you know, from this note that kids are upset by the panic. 
Christ the King school kids are lucky to have Sherry Whitman as their principal. She had the foresight to care for their education and their social and emotional health. Another great big thank you, Sherry. What's wonderful. Now for your homework. Get together with your family and friends and listen to the show again on my podcast on Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, Podbean, any place you get your podcast. Listen to the Parenting Matters podcast with that part. Discuss how the pandemic changed your life and how you reacted to the changes. Ask yourself what more could you have done. Then go back to my website and let our readers know your thoughts. And if there's a topic you would like to hear discussed on Parenting Matters, let us know. We'll find an expert to tell us all about it. Thanks for listening, and may God continue to bless you and your families. Parenting Matters is made possible through the generous donation of our listeners and our sponsors and the Diocese of Nashville, shining the light of our Catholic faith in everyday life. This is Nashville Catholic Radio, 100.5 FM, and streaming at NashvilleCR.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another edition of Parenting Matters with Dr. Par Donahue. Parenting Matters is produced and recorded inside the studios at the Catholic Pastoral Center. Thanks again for listening to WBOU 100.5 FM and streaming at WBOU.org. 